you decided to start your own virtual assistant business. You want the freedom to break free from the nine to five, be your own boss, raise your kids, and enjoy your life. You want to define success on your own terms. You did your research and know that you need a great website so that you can tell the world about your great idea. But before you take your first client, you need to have a freelancer contract ready for them to sign. Hey moms, welcome to another episode of the Life Unboxed blog show, where we talk about all things entrepreneur, from raising your kids to running a business, and the most important, keeping your sanity. I'm Jody the Mom from lifeunboxed.blog. If you're enjoying this content, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and drop a comment below. If you're listening to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast with your friends, and leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. I appreciate your support. And if you would like to support the show, you can do that with coffee. Visit ko-fi.com forward slash blog. Remember that I would love to hear your questions that you just can't seem to get answered. So let's talk about a freelancer contract. It is important to understand that it is not a magic wand. If you hear the word contract, your mind may automatically jump to court, to a court of law, that the purpose of a contract is just to protect you from a lawsuit. This is actually the very last function of a contract. It is the no other option left function. Okay, but before we continue, I need to say this. I'm not a lawyer, and this show is not intended for legal advice. This is just meant to be for educational purposes. There are some great online resources that do provide legal services, so check out Rocket Lawyer or LegalZoom if you need specific legal advice. Again, this show is for educational purposes only. So what is the purpose of a contract then, if it is not just for a lawsuit? The thing to keep in mind is that a contract is only as good as the person it represents. That is why if you want to be a sought-after virtual, virtual assistant, you need to be a person of integrity. And I did another show on this, so I will leave that link for you. Then it is your word, reputation, and character that will back up your freelancer contract. And that was so good. I'm going to say it again. It is your word, reputation, and character that will back up the, the terms in your contract. On the flip side, you also want to make sure you enter an agreement with the same type of people. If you enter a contract with a person who lacks integrity, don't expect the contract to magically change the person. A contract will not turn a crook into an honest person. So what does a freelancer contract do? So a freelance agreement functions to establish the relationship between two parties. For example, will your relationship be employee-employer or client independent contractor. It clarifies expectations and communications. For example, when do you want to be paid? 
that's a very good uh, expectation to be clear on, or what times you will answer calls or text. Also, when your client can expect results. A freelance contract is a point of reference that you can refer to throughout your project so you can remember what was agreed to and the scope of the project. For example, if you have a different rate for rush projects or rush deadlines, you can refer your client back to the terms she agreed to so she can decide if she wants the rush deadline. Next, work with the right people. I know when you're first starting out, the pressure to get clients and make money can be overwhelming, but don't jump at the first client that comes calling without vetting them first. If someone tell, so this is my, my pro tip. If someone tells you that they are difficult to work with, then believe them and move on. The stress of working with a difficult client is not worth the money or charge double. That works too. I have a friend who is a, also a contractor and they call it a PIA tax. So a pain in, and you can fill in the A, tax. So if someone's going to be difficult, then uh, they will be charged for the difficulty. For the most part, all of my client experiences have been good. There was only one client that I had to refer back to the terms in the contract. And as a matter of fact, I reworked some of the terms based on, the, on my experience with this client. But then I finished the project and declined to work any further. A contract is only as good as the character of the people entering it. So make sure you are a person of integrity and your clients are as well. Okay, so now let's talk about what to include in a freelancer contract. And I have put up mine that I have created. Um, and I will leave links if you want to take a look at it and download it. You can also download an editable version by signing up for the newsletter. So I'll be sure to leave, include that in all the show notes. So there are a few essentials to include in your freelancer contract, and this will depend on your business and the services you are offering. The list is not exhaustive. Again, the intention is just to give you an idea of what should be included. And even with the downloads, it's only intended to give you an idea of what a contract could look like. I'm not a lawyer, therefore I am not offering legal advice. So number one, date of service. When the project starts and if there is a set end date. If you're taking on a client that you don't know, I suggest starting with a project that will end in 90 days or so. Then you can both decide if you want to continue the relationship. I am for part of being a person of integrity is also that you end well or you leave well, no matter the difficulty and the, that the people, people may have caused you always leave well. And it'll also leave you with a reputation, a good reputation. So even though you may have ended the working relationship with the client, there's no reason for them to badmouth you or, um, to give you a bad referral. So just keep that in mind always end well. Number two that should be included in the contract is names. Include your business name or your legal name or, or sorry, 
include your name or your business name if your business is a legal, legal entity. So if you don't have an LLC or an Inc., then your name, your first and last name, is the legal name. You cannot make up a business. Like my, my virtual assistant business, I refer to as JRP virtual assistant. But that is not the legal name of the business. It's just kind of what I've shortened it to. So all contracts would have to be in my name. You also want the name of your client or the client's business name. And again, if it is not an LLC or an Inc., then it would need to be their first and last name because a business that is not um, incorporated or filed as an LLC with your state is not a legal entity. So then you also want to list how you will be referred to throughout the contract, such as contractor client. You want the addresses of both parties. You will need this if you send an invoice to a collection agency or end up in court. Hopefully that will never happen. On the flip side or on the more fun side of getting their address, if you want to send a thank you note or a gift, you will also need the client's address. So this is a good time to get that information. Number four, services provided. And you can see, so payment for services. So all of this, we have the date up here. And for my uh, wonderful podcast listeners, I'm, I just have a copy of the contract on the screen. So you can go ahead and you can download a sample agreement yourself as well. So you can see it. All the information needed. And then we're going to describe the services provided in this section right here. This is the time that you define your services and what you will be doing and be as detailed and clear as possible. You don't want to go the client to go beyond the scope of what was discussed without being compensated for it. Especially if you're if you're charging a flat fee, be as detailed as possible because if they add something to the project, then you need to up your fee. If it's an hourly rate that you're charging, you're going to get paid for your time regardless. So, you can be somewhat flexible, but definitely if this is a flat fee agreement, then you need to make sure that it is as detailed as possible. Don't short sell yourself, mom. You are worth probably more than you're actually charging. So don't short sell yourself. Again, so describing your services in detail doesn't mean that you can't take on new tasks. It's just establishing what you agree to at the start. For me, I'm constantly taking on new tasks and my job descriptions are changing. But I do charge hourly, so I don't have a problem with it. But if you don't want to take some on something, you can point to the contract and mention that it is beyond the scope. So it's, all, it's one of those layers of protection for you as well. Next, you want to add your standard procedures. And this should list your availability, expectation for delivery, rush deadlines, and the fees associated with being rushed. And yes, you need to charge a rush fee. As a rule of thumb, I would recommend a rush fee be double your standard fee. Be specific about when you will respond to calls or texts, when delivery can be expected. Some of my clients are project oriented. So the one question I always ask is when do you need to buy? 
If I can't deliver by the time, then at least they know. Number six is payment for services. This should detail what you are charging per hour or the flat rate fee you are charging for the project. You should also include the cost of any additional services beyond what is listed in the description of services. Detail the client's responsibility for any expenses you incur while working on their project. Finally, when you want to be, you need to add when you want to be paid. Is it 10 days after sending the invoice or 30 days? How can the client pay you? Check Venmo, PayPal, Zelle, or another method. This is one of the expectations that you want to be very, very clear about. You need to feed your family too, so be clear on when you expect to be paid. Number seven, you need to talk about ownership of the final product. Especially if you're offering creative service, this is creative services, this is definitely a must-have. But you should also clearly define ownership for any service provided or product provided. It is important to be very clear as to who owns the work in progress, the final product, and if you have the right to use your creation for promotional use. And again, this will depend on the services you provide, but think about it ahead of time. Number eight, termination. All projects will reach a conclusion and clients can be difficult. You want it easy to terminate an agreement for you and the client. It is important to be clear in this section that the client is responsible to pay you for your work. If it is project fees, then this will be based on the percentage of completion. If you charge hourly, then they are still responsible for the hours that you worked. In my contract, I mentioned that completed work and works in progress will be held until the final invoice is paid. But again, I've never had to use this part of the contract, but it is there in case I do. Relationship of the parties. So this is one of the legalese places that you want to make sure you are clear. The important term is that you are an independent contractor, not an employee. And there are legal definitions to what that looks like. One of them is you set your schedule. Woohoo! The client can't define how you work or tell you when to do it. And so this is my favorite part of the agreement because I do... Um, uh, put in there, it is expressly understood and agreed that provider is an independent contractor and other than the agreed upon deadlines for the work, provider may set her own hours and may control the manner and in place in which she performs her obligations here under and will not be supervised by the client. So that's my favorite part of the contract. <clears throat> the next one is confidentiality. This business being a virtual assistant is a business that is based on mutual trust. There is an expectation for con confidentiality and honestly, you should keep your mouth shut. For you and for your client, include a mutual confidentiality clause. And the next is miscellaneous. So this includes a non-disparagement clause, the right to use the work for marketing purposes, indemnity, 
and a few other things. So you can download the agreement to check out the, see everything else that's included in that section. And then next are the signature lines. You both need to agree to the contract. So have a place for name, date, and signature. And again, mom, I just want to reiterate that this is not everything to have included in the contract. This is just a starting place uh, for you to get an idea of what to look for. It is exciting to create your own business and establishing how you work, when you work, and how you want to interact with a client is something to have in place before you get your first client. So get started creating your freelancer agreement for your business by downloading the free resources today. And just to mention again, I'm not a lawyer, therefore I'm not offering legal advice. I am just a friend wanting to give you an idea of things to include and look for in a contract. Mom, I'm so glad you joined me today. If you want to help spread the word, be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to check out the Life Unboxed store for all of your Mom Boss merch. And you can support the show with coffee. Visit Kofi, that's ko-fi.com forward slash lifeunboxed.blog. For more great mompreneur content, follow Life Unboxed on social media or check out lifeunboxed.blog. Be sure to share the podcast and video with your friends, and I will see you in the next show.